All right. I want to just take a moment and say thank you so much to Rachel and the kids and the cast and crew. It was incredible. I'm always amazed at how, how gospel-centric, how it really tells the story. I don't know where Rachel finds all these wonderful uh, children's plays, but they are out there, and she sure finds them every time. And I'm so very, very grateful. I'm also amazed today how that we talked just a little tiny bit. I went online and got a little bit of the uh, synopsis of the play, but how much what I wanted to share with you this morning. And by the way, give me about 10 or 15 minutes. This is not like a, now you're going to go through a whole message. But you just got to hear. In case there's a... Blonde, Jane Blonde out there, still who's wondering, is this stuff all real? I just want to, and believe me, I prepared, and you're going to hear what they talked about today. You know, it's really quite amazing to me. I even had Bethlehem figured in the introduction. It's quite amazing. But uh, in case you're there today, we want you to really understand just how authentic and how real Jesus Christ is. You know, they talked about the prophecies, and some theologians go as far as to say there's three to four hundred prophecies about Jesus Christ. And and those are broad and general in nature, and some of them, a lot of them are very, very specific about Jesus Christ. And like the young person said in this in the show, the young lady said, and every one of them came true. There's a mathematician, a professor of mathematics at a university whose name is Peter Stoner. And Peter Stoner did some calculations. And what he did was, he said, what would it be like if we took about eight of these prophecies that were very gospel-centric, right pointed no doubt toward Jesus Christ. Where Jesus was born, Bethlehem was one of them. Uh, the fact that he'd be born of a virgin was another. So what if we were to take eight of those, just eight, we're going to ignore the other three to four hundred, and even the 65 that really just so point to Christ. What if we were to take just eight of those, and those were to come true in a person's life? What would the odds of that be? Um, that would probably impress even Bond. James Bond, Jane Bond. Well, here's how it plays out. They said the odds of a person fulfilling eight prophecies uh, like, like Jesus Christ did would be like this. If you were to take the entire earth and cover it 120 feet deep with silver dollars. Take the entire world, world and cover it 120 feet deep with silver dollars. On one of those silver dollars you were to put an X. Then you would take one person and you were to take them and blindfold them and their task would be to find the one silver dollar, 120 feet deep, that had the X on it and was marked. The chances of that person doing that is 10 to the 21st power. In other words, 10 followed by 21 zeros. That's the chances. And guess what? Here comes Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. And over and over again, the prophecies are true. And the reason why he was able to do that, because he was and is the son of God. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that just incredible? So the story that we heard today is not just a happen chance story. It's a story that is true. The, the author of Hebrews, and I really expected Hebrews to come up in the play today because it just fits in so well. You know, Hebrews is one of those books that it sounds like it belongs in the Old Testament, but it's in the New Testament. You know, it's kind of like that one of those deals. But the author of Hebrews 
really wanted to build the case, just like the choir did today for, for, the, for the, the Jane Blondes out there, the, the skeptics. He'll build a case about who Jesus Christ is and was. And he begins his book, and there are just three or four verses here that I want to share with you. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Long ago, and by the way, long ago, you say, well, how long ago was long ago? Well, you remember the Star Wars movie and long ago in a galaxy far, far away? Well, this long ago is before one molecule was created. So the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God is before one molecule was created. That's how long ago God was planning Christmas. Now, we get upset sometimes because the world starts planning Christmas. You go to Hobby Lobby in September or even early August, late August, and you see all the Christmas decorations out. I'll never forget uh, about five years ago, we went to the Philippines to do some work, some disaster relief work. And we get there and it's early September and we get there and the whole camp where we're staying, the resort, is all decorated out for Christmas. I mean, these folks get into Christmas early, early. And then they're playing a variety of disco, um, southern, southern style gospel, and traditional Christmas songs. It was very interesting. So a long time ago, the author says, at many times and in many ways. In other words, throughout, when, when man was finally created, all the time leading up to Christmas, the real Christmas, leading up to that, God was dropping hints. It's kind of like when you have a Christmas present, you go, I'm going to give you a hint. I'm not going to tell you what I got you, but I'm going to give you a hint. And God was just giving hints about what's about to, be play, about to take place. And he did it in so many different ways. Um, through Isaiah, he did visions. And through Abraham, he spoke personally. Through Moses, it was through a burning bush. Through Jacob, it was a dream. Through Jeremiah, it was object lessons. Through Hosea, through the strange story about marriage to a prostitute. Um, just so many different ways and so many different times, God started talking to men about what was about to happen. He was dropping those hints about Christmas was coming. And finally, in verse number 2, here's what the author of Hebrews says. But in these last days, in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Now, last days, don't think chronologically, like, like, oh no, the end is coming. Not that at all. It's kind of like a football game, and there's a first half and a second half, you know, two quarters, two quarters, but a first half and a second half, and, and the first half, the game goes one way, and the second half, it's like two different teams show up, and the game goes another way. Well, all this time, the first half, God's speaking to the prophets in various ways. And God is very unapproachable, very unapproachable. The thought of God being considered father just wasn't there. And then the second half of the game, Jesus shows up. And it's all different. It's all different. And as you heard in the play today, you can sum it up in one verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm not sure I can do this, but let's give it a try. It's, it's as if Jesus was speaking to the first person. He would have said, but my Father loved the world so much that He sent me His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in me should not perish, but have everlasting life. And verse 17 goes, and I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. 
That was the message that Jesus brought when He came. That it's time, it's here. And God invites you to come into a relationship with Him. No longer the distant God, but now a God where we can call Him Father. In fact, we learned last week an Abba Father, a dearest Father, almost a Papa Father, a dearest Dad Father. We are invited into His lap where He can put His arms around us. And He can love us. And when Jesus came, that was the message that He brought. It's possible now, because of what I'm going to do, it's possible for every man, woman, and child, no matter how good or how bad we see ourselves, to come into a relationship with God like that. In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, and it shows the, the price of the Christmas gift. That when God sent His Son, it was the highest Son. It was the only begotten Son. It is the heir of all things through whom He created the entire world. Jesus was the creative agent in the world. This is the Son that came. And when He came, verse number 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. The radiance of the glory of God. He was not just a baby born. It wasn't like another guy. There's another baby born. We had some babies born this week. Another baby's born. Someone's in labor right now. This morning, another baby's going to be born. No, no, no. He was the radiance of the glory of God. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And such a brilliant light. See if, you, see, if, see if you recognize these. Let's see if I can get them out of here. Anybody recognize these? Yeah, these are from the eclipse. I can't see you because it's like totally dark. But that day when I looked up at the sun... I can see the sun clearly because even though these lights are so dim here, when I looked at the sun, the sun was so bright, I could clearly see what was going on. Well, as bright as the eclipse was, you know, that as the, as the uh, sun was disappearing and they had the, the diamond ring effect, as bright as that was, as brilliant as that was, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is even more brilliant than that. He's the radiance of God into our dark world. He's the light of hope in this dark world that we have. But he goes on and says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. In other words, He's not like God. He is God. He's not like God. He is God. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Upholds the idea, the thought there is, He holds it together. In fact, in Colossians 1.17, another book in the New Testament, uh, the Bible says this, And He is before all things, and Him all things hold together. In other words, Jesus is holding it all together. And you know what? Just like in Bond, Jane Bond, her life was a mess. Her world was in chaos. I bet there's some people here today, and your world's in chaos. And the good news, there's someone who can bring order to your chaos. There's someone can hold it all together for you. And his name is Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus that people like you and me could come to a relationship with Him. Church couldn't do it. Religion couldn't do it. Being good couldn't do it. God sent away. I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with two young men. Hopefully they'll be coming forward this morning. But during the, before and during Sunday school, I shared the gospel with them. I said, imagine, if you will, on one side of a river, there's, there's holy God, like He's perfect. I mean, like He's pure. He's holy. And on this side of the river is us, and we're not. We're not. And between God on this side and and us on this side is a raging river filled with man-eating alligators. And there's no way for us 
to get to God. There's nothing to build a bridge with. We can't swim because the alligators will eat us. So what's the answer? And the answer is we didn't have one. But God did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And boy, in classic style, the the author of Hebrews says this. He says, after making purification for sins. And let me just, let let me get that down where we can grasp it, okay? Jesus came for one reason and one reason only. He came and he created Easter. Christmas happened so Easter could happen. You mean God was talking about a calendar? Man, he created the calendar. Christmas was God became flesh. Jesus came to earth. And he came for one reason, to live for 33 years. A number God chose. 33 years. And to die on a Roman cross that usually sits right there. A Roman cross. And he died because the Bible says... The payment for sin is death. We deserve to be separated from God forever. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christmas is about gifts. You better believe it. And God gave the granddaddy of gifts of all when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. And that is what the story was about today. And for the Jane Jane Blondes out there, the James Bonds out there, who may be skeptical, consider those prophecies. No one could ever pull that off but God. And God did it so we could have relationship with Him. My prayer today is that you won't miss Christmas. That this Christmas this year would be totally different. There's a, there's a song that Faith Hill sings that it's just a beautiful song. And it's about Christmas, but I believe I can say with certainty that Faith Hill's a believer. And I'm sure somewhere in her heart she had this thought in mind. But the song starts out saying, Where are you Christmas? Why can't I find you? Jane Blonde was asking that question. She didn't believe because she couldn't find God. Where are you Christmas? Where are you God? I can't find you. As you examine the scriptures and look through the scriptures... You see that in fact, he's real and he's waiting to find you. You may not find him, but he's searching for you. And the song later goes on and says, Christmas is here everywhere. Oh, Christmas is here. And today, through the lives of these children, through these words that they sang, and through the words of God's word right now, Christmas is here. Christ is here. And he wants to come into your life. Forgive your sins so you can come to relationship with God. He did what religion couldn't do, what church can't do, what being good can't do. He paid the price for our sins and offers the gift of salvation. And then she concludes the song by saying this, I feel you, Christmas. I know I found you. You never fade away. The joy of Christmas stays here inside us, fills each and every heart with love. And may I say every heart that believes. So we want to close our service today with a time of decision. Our friend here, Jane Bond, came to a point of decision. She made a conscious decision to believe in God. 
going a step further. She made a conscious decision to put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. To believe that she had sinned. To believe that Jesus was born to die to pay the price for her sins. And then she made a conscious decision to turn from that sin and to follow Jesus. All that wasn't in the script, but that's what happened. That's what happened. And when she made that decision, the Bible uses the terminology and says, you might say she was born again. And God wants to give you that opportunity today. This morning during our decision time, we have a, an invitational video. And uh, I'm going to give you the opportunity just to even stay seated. We'll bring the lights up so you can see in case God's calling you. My friend Brent will be standing down front. And I know there's some young men who will probably will be coming this morning. And uh, we welcome them as they come. But maybe you're here today. Maybe for the first time, this made sense. You know, you, you, again, you looked at church and it didn't make any sense. You looked at religious leaders and it didn't make any sense. But today, Jesus made sense. And you want to say yes to Jesus. I told the boys, I said, 15 days from today, a week, two weeks and a day, we're going to go into our living rooms and there's going to be presents under a tree. And we're going to go there and those presents, some of them will have our names on them. And we're going to pick those gifts up and open them. And when we open that gift, it becomes ours. We didn't pay for it. Someone else did. But we will give you the chance to receive that gift, to open it up, to take it into your life. Something you could not pay for has been paid for through the death of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to lead us in prayer. Brother Brent would be coming forward uh, here. If you've got something, A, you want to know how I can ask Jesus into my heart, like Jane did. How can I ask Jesus into my heart? Perhaps you're here today and you saw what you, you know, you've been seeing what God's been doing here. And you want to be a part of our church family. We want to invite you there. Perhaps you're here and you know you're a believer, but you've never been baptized. And you want to find out what does baptism mean? What is that all about? We'd be glad to share with that. And I know there's some things going on in people's lives that's difficult. And one thing I love about, about the church family is you have people who will pray with you. Pray with you. And so today, if you just want somebody to pray with you, we'd be glad to do that today. So let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll have our, our invitation video. Brother Brent will be standing down front. As God speaks to your heart, we won't give you a chance to come. God, thank you so very, very much um, for what we've heard today. You know, I'm always amazed at how you lead men and women in this creative art of songwriting and playwriting. What a wonderful way to hear the gospel today. And it was so clearly presented. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done, that you died on a Roman cross, that we could have forgiveness of sins. And no matter how long our sin list is, how bad of a person we think we are, or even how good we think we are, I'm grateful that you want to be the Savior of all men. So if there's someone here today, like Jane, in the play, who needs a Savior and wants to admit they need a Savior, would they come and talk with Brent even today? Thank you already for what you have done and what you're going to do. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Brent will be waiting to receive you as the